Five, four, three, two, one. This is flashback. Now, here comes the music. Something more befitting a man of your education. Get the situation under control, gentlemen. And now, from an undisclosed location, for good reason, it's the Midlife Crisis Show, starring Elliot Kleiner and Peter Applebaum, recorded live and unscripted, but then carefully edited. This is a two-part episode, only because there were so many questions and so much material that we wanted to cover about this amazing curiosity that is middle-aged sex. Middle-aged sex. I can see you're as excited to be here as I am to have you here. Thank I'm going to let fly with a whole bunch of new stuff that's going to embarrass the hell out of everybody. And I might participate as well, Elliot. We're excited about that. Elliot's too. in the zone, you see. He's, I am. He's- Welcome to the Midlife Crisis Show. It's not all going to be that bad. Uh, some of the guests we've got coming up today... Bettina Arndt, one of Australia's first sex therapists. A man is going to need more stimulation. He may not ejaculate every time. He may not climax every time. Um, men who've had prostate cancer surgery will be able to reach orgasm but won't ejaculate. All this stuff you need to know about. We will have a drop-in with some uh, timely words from our resident comedian friend, George Smilovich. You know, laughing is a lot like having an orgasm, so go ahead, laugh in my face. And last but definitely, definitely not least, is we're going to be speaking with Lawrence J, who's the owner and manager of Our Secret Spot. Definitely avoid surprises. Don't take your, your partner there just as a, a surprise. You'll be honest, like, oh, that's not a good idea. Happy either. 25th wedding anniversary, darling. Guess what we're going to do? Have sex with a lot of different people. We saw it, we've seen it happen a couple of times and there's been a minor freak out. I'm excited because the last episode was just so chock full of interesting, fascinating and awe-inspiring jaw-dropping material. Lots of goodness, Elliot. Tons of goodness. In fact, I, I, I would argue that it was probably the most riveting episode we've done so far. We had to make it a two-parter because there's too much to cover. The Midlife Crisis Show goes global in this episode, ladies and gentlemen, because we're trying to get to the root of the problem. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm leaving that one in. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh! Oh, God. Oh. I'll have what she's having. We would like to welcome Bettina Arndt. You are an expert in, on a number of levels, middle-aged sex. Oh, it's lovely to talk to you. Bettina, wonderful to have you back. Being that this is a two-parter, we wanted to follow on from some of the discussion that we had last week. I know that one of the subjects that you were particularly interested in discussing with us was the perceptions sometimes that women have of what men think of women's bodies which may or may not uh, be accurate. One of the issues that I've always been interested in, how, what, how men feel about women's bodies. Um, years ago, I did some research on... Um, I feel that they're wonderful, just by the way. I'm yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> Most men they feel they're wonderful. And, I, I, and when you feel them, they're wonderful. <laughs> well, if you're lucky enough, yeah, Exactly, absolutely. exactly. We need you, Bettina. <laughs> but what I was doing, I, I had these 150 men asking them all about writing for me about their sex lives, keeping diaries for me, talking about all sorts of issues that I, I was interested in. That's a huge huge amount of data to go through. Oh, an enormous amount. I mean, yeah, and it was enormous, you know, great fun. I wrote a book called What Men Want. Um, I, I can see that on your website, What Men Want in Bed. Yeah, I'm that's to, often two different things. I want to read that. Uh, well, you should read it. I mean, there's a lot to learn. <laughs> but one of the things I focused on was this issue of how men feel about women's bodies, um, because it's something that I've heard a lot about, particularly from men. And the essence of that is this terrible self-consciousness most women have about their bodies and the fact that we look in the mirror and we hate what we see. We always see the things that are wrong with our bodies. Even 20-year-old women are like that, as you know. And the older we get, the worse we get. And the flip side of that is men absolutely crying out to be with an unselfconscious woman. I mean, I've had men write for me about that. The absolute gift of being with a woman who is relaxed about her body and who 
enjoy showing it off for him. And so I got the men to write about their women's bodies and they were just fantastic saying, you know, that they're not looking at the cellulite or the floppy bits or, the, you know, or what's wrong with us. This is their treasure chest. This is what mm. they like to play a with and to pleasure look palace. at. Pleasure palace. A pleasure palace. And the palace. looking at is so much part of my male enjoyment. It is. It's the, it's the switch that you flip between lights on and lights off in yeah. bed. Yeah, and we women walk around with their sheets clutched to their necks and towels around them and close the door because we are so bad at accepting the way we are. And it's one of the big dilemmas between men and women when it comes to sex. And, and the, the men wrote beautifully about that issue. And I think it's very reassuring for women to realise that they're not looking at us with a critical gaze. They're looking at us with love and appreciation. Absolutely right. I actually think one of the greatest sins against a woman's body is augmentation, which I know is a very contentious thing for me to say. But I love natural women. And I just, I have, I guess... There's a difference between Elliot and I. Elliot has been married for 30-odd years. I was divorced 15, 16 years ago. So I've I've been with the same partner for 10 and a half years, but prior to that for seven or so years, I was on the dating scene. So mm. a lot of the online dating was, uh, on, on, was something that I was very active in, particularly in the early days. But um, so I guess I've, unlike Elliot, I've... I've uh, gone out there and, and experienced quite a few different women with all different types of things that they've, their phobias, augmentations, all those sorts of things. And I've come to the conclusion that it's like women naturally are the most beautiful creatures, irrespective, as you say, Bettina, of all the, the lumps and bumps and cellulite and saggy bits and all that sort of stuff. They're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. And the most se- the sexiest woman you can find is a confident woman, someone who yep. is comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, that's it. And somehow we have to work harder to get that message across. Well, that's exactly right, Bettina. And it's like that's where you talk about supporting men. I, in a way, I think, as you say, with, with your online dating profiles, you're dealing mainly with women. Just tell them that we love them as they are. Yeah, well, I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that we're helping but, to push that along a little bit here. But there were a lot of other things. I mean, there's so many fascinating questions around this whole sort of issue of how men and women relate to each other sexually, particularly as they get older. That was, I mean, my, a big part of this whole book was around erections. I was very keen to talk a lot about what happens to older men. I wanted to do the whole book on erections and my publishers wouldn't let me. <laughs> I think it would sell. Who was, no, no, no. They, well, I think it's probably right. They wouldn't get up. Anyway, it wouldn't be too embarrassed <laughs> to go and buy it. So the, What Men Want has got five chapters on erections, which I thought was doing pretty well. <laughs> I, we've lived through this amazing change from when I started out in sex therapy in the 1970s. We just had no clue about erections. We had no idea about this wondrous mechanism. We, we had an idea. We had a reasonable idea. <laughs> well, we did, but that's all we had. We had no... Uh, no, we really didn't know how they worked, let alone how to fix them when they went wrong. How to fix them. <laughs> and that's really important. I mean, I used to sit with men telling them about, you know, who had erection, you know, problems, impotency problems, and say, oh, look, it's all in your head, which is what we thought. was. Ma- we thought it was mainly mental issues. You just have to relax, so on. And, I mean, it, it was so wrong, the advice we were giving, cause, and we just didn't realise. And then over the last 40 years, we've had this absolute revelation. They've put all the pieces of this amazing puzzle together, and we know all about what is involved in a man's body when he, you know, the erection process. And we do know how to fix it, and we have fantastic treatment. And yet the majority of men in this country are not accessing those treatments. We have this ghastly billboards you see around the place. Oh, but horrible, horrible. And that it? is a company called <laughs> is making $70 million a year ripping off Australian men. And this is about nasal sprays and all these yeah, sort all of hocus rubbish. pocus. And they don't sell any of the proven treatments because they don't make enough money for them. They charge men thousands of dollars for total rubbish. Why are they getting away with it? Because you guys don't talk about sex. Because you're too embarrassed to talk to each other, you're too embarrassed to go to your doctors, the doctors who are mainly male, are too embarrassed to get the information they need to teach you how to deal with these problems. And it's just a crying shame that we have the treatments available and yet these horrible sharks are out there picking off vulnerable men. Snake oil. And ripping them off. And the only answer is programs like this where men learn to talk about these things. And that's why I did my book. I wanted to get the information out to men about the treatments that are available. What is it like to pop a little blue pill? What does that feel like? What are the problems with it? When shouldn't you do it? 
you know, none of that information is readily available. What's it like to inject your penis if you've had prostate cancer surgery? <laughs> we've got, we got, we got 20... Bettina, you've got, you got, you got 20 toes curling over no, at this I know, end. I know, you're all so neurotic about that. When I talk to audiences of men... Bettina, have you ever had anything in, uh, injected into your penis? No. Correct. Um, but I have been with a man who's been doing it. Oh, a man, in a situation, who's had, a man who's had prostate cancer surgery. This is one of the best treatments... And every man I've ever talked to about this who's done it says they were just sort of horrified at the thought. I was going to say I would I would think that there'd be a great proportion of men who would prefer to die of prostate cancer than have a needle. I know, I know how you know worrying it is for you, but it's nothing. I mean, every man who's ever done it says, I mean, provided you you do it properly and you've been properly educated about the whole procedure. It's a tiny, tiny little pinprick. It's a tiny it's prick. Like <laughs> less than a mozzie bite, you know. Yeah. And for the say, and in order to get a really good erection, I mean that is totally worth it. A lasting erection. Uh, I mean, I've watched this happen, and it's amazing. Bettina, uh, can I can I actually tell you? And I'm sure you've you've got you've heard thousands and thousands of stories, but but a personal story. When I was in the early days of my divorce, I was actually dating, and I was 39 at the time. I was dating a very attractive 25 year old, and all my friends were saying, "Oh, well done, mate, good on you." Putting that aside, um, and we were having fun. But on one day, and as I say, it was going through a pretty ugly part of my divorce process. And there was a, I had some advice, which was pretty contentious. I won't go into the details, but it was, it was a very, it was almost like a life changing. You've got to do this type of advice. And that night I could not get an erection. And it was just, I was completely flummoxed, completely flummoxed. It's like, this is the one thing I know. This is the one thing I do well. And that was, that failed me. And I'd never had that happen before. And it was just, it, it stunned me. It really stunned me. Look, I, I had this man write to me a few years ago. Oh, it was a very interesting story. He'd had a very good marriage and, you know, they just they didn't talk about sex because it all just worked perfectly fine and, you know, he, they did everything in a certain way and foreplay and intercourse and so on. And he had that happen to him. He started to have problems with erections and he went into this panic, didn't know what to do, stayed up later and later watching television. His wife was lying in bed thinking, why doesn't he want me anymore? Is he having an affair? Tears. She moved out into the spare bedroom and they're now divorced. Oh, dear. And he wrote to me and he'd read my first book, which was called The Sex Diaries, had a whole lot of stuff around erections as well. And he read that and he said he cried and cried and realised he let this perfectly good marriage slip away because he couldn't talk about sex. You know, anyway, there's so much we could talk about. I mean, there of course is, you can make is. love without an erection. And that's what you need to do. If, you, if it's just about anxiety, you do need to focus, you know, just learn, acquire good skills to give pleasure in other ways. And that will help you relax and regain your erection. 50% of 50-year-olds, 60% of 60-year-olds, 70% of 70-year-olds have issues with erection. Wow. And that's you have scary. to anticipate that and learn how to handle it. I guess, as you say, a lot of your clients now are women. We're talking about erections, I was going to say male erections, erections. Do you speak to your clients about this may happen to your man? Don't drop your bundle. Don't feel that you're unsexy and they're not attracted to you and all those sorts of things. Here are the sorts of strategies you can do. Yeah, absolutely. I've got this little, I mean, I send out my clients all this <laughs> information I've gathered over the years. And one of them is on men and erections and if you have not encountered this yet, yet the chances are you will. And, and how, what, you know, the trouble is when you're, when you're a woman in bed with a man who hasn't got an erection, it's very difficult to know how to handle that, whether you, whether you try to help him get an erection, whether you pretend it's not happening, what do you say, what will make him feel worse. I mean, women get into this panic too and not know how to deal with it. So I give a lot of advice around that as well to help them through that and just even the, the aging process we're talking about middle-aged men the fact is that erections change just as women's bodies change as they get older if i go to bed with a 20 year old i look at him and his penis will pop up <laughs> hopefully um, but if i go to bed with a 50 year old he might need a bit of help you need to actually stimulate the penis very often and give it some you know manual attention or is it stimulating the mind first and then no, the, well, everything the else follows? Well, the mind first, but then you might need to stimulate the body. And I, one man wrote to me and said, she handles it as if she's dealing with a death adder. <laughs> <laughs> death adder. I mean, or it's a pump. Yeah. Well, well I, I, I sort of wonder whether that's some kind of a compliment. I think that's fabulous. <laughs> you know, it's I'd potent. Have... It's potent. But, I mean, it is about, what this is all about is anticipating changes that occur with age. 
and knowing how to deal with them and the fact that a man is going to need more stimulation. He may not ejaculate every time. He may not climax every time. Um, men who've had prostate cancer surgery will be able to reach orgasm but won't ejaculate. All this stuff you need to know about. And how many of you get taught about it? You're just adding to all the tags we need to put on our website, Bettina. You realise that? Very good. <laughs> well, maybe we need to have come back and have another talk about this one. Well, day. that's actually a really good way to conclude our chat and, and by asking you, Bettina, you've been fantastic. Can we speak to you again? I'd love to. I'm sure there's plenty of things we could talk there, about. There certainly are. But there's a lot of stuff that uh, our listeners should be reading about in your books, which are available at your website. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, it's bettinaart.com.au, but in order to get the spelling correct and make sure that nobody misses that website, we're going to uh, put some links to that on our Facebook page uh, to, to direct some of our listeners your way. Uh, and the, the two books of uh, particular note that are on the front page right there where you can see them is The Sex Diaries, but more importantly, the one that I'm going to be looking at is What Men Want in Bed. Which is I think one day we should actually come back and have a chat about the sex diaries because the, the heart of that is this issue of mismatched desire of one person, which of course is usually the male, wanting sex more than the other. And that is the most prevalent sexual problem. Well, we'd love to love you to come yeah. into the Midlife Crisis Studio, Bettina, and we can have a, a longer chat about it. We could do that. I'd be very happy to do that. And Sounds bring normal. your books. Exactly. I will do that too. Bettina, Arndt, thank you so much for your time. You've been incredibly illuminating, and you've certainly exceeded our expectations as to what you could bring to the show. Well, lovely to talk to you. Thank you. So we're back and talking to one of our regular contributors and somebody that I love having on the program, which is my good friend and your good friend, comedic genius, Mr. George Smilovich, who is talking to us exclusively from the paradise that we love to call Byron Bay. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, George. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. How are you? I'm just going to cut straight to it. George, what do you think about middle-aged sex? Look, sex in the Middle Ages is, is something which has interested me for a very long time as a historian. I would prefer sex in the Dark Ages or New Age sex or sex in the Age of Enlightenment. <laughs> are, we, um, are we talking about uh, sex in the dark with the lights turned off or are we talking about the Dark Ages? Look, I think you're confused about the topic. I knew one of us All right, we're, we're talking about... Uh, we're talk are we talking about middle-aged sex or are we talking about sex in the Middle Ages? I'm happy for you to take it whichever direction you want to go. <laughs> Content, right, well, content is content. Know, I, think, I, I think sex in all ages is fantastic. And middle-aged sex is great as long as you're having sex with groovy teenagers. Now, qualify groovy teenagers? Well, uh, a, a teenager with some kind of groove, you know? <laughs> and and that, that was the opening for us to take some of the creepy edge off that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I believe, I've always said that uh, sex is very important to, in life. It's it's one of the things that, um, especially in our culture, in Australian culture, and I guess the same in American culture or civilised Western culture, and that it's, um, it's something to be afraid of and it's something that people don't like to talk about, whereas I think that sex is something that makes people healthy, makes people feel free, and um, I think that if um, more um, dictators and and people like Genghis Khan and Saddam Hussein had been having a lot of great sex, then a lot of the world's greatest atrocities would not have happened. That's a really interesting theory. And, and a, a, a poignant message to the current leaders of the world. Definitely. I think that Malcolm Turnbull, he's not having much sex at the moment. I don't know why I think that, but I've just got that feeling. Is, is um, a great form of adult entertainment. I think we should send our politicians in Canberra uh, a busload of groovy teenagers. Groovy teenagers. Look, I've always said that, you know, laughing is a lot like having an orgasm, so go ahead, laugh in my face. Now, here comes the music. excited because we've invited Lawrence back to join us again from our secret spot and our secret spot is actually a swingers club. Lawrence, welcome back. 
Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. You it was easy for us, that's for sure. You are a star amongst stars in the last episode. Thank you. So many people have um, actually Facebook uh, messaged us to ask more questions. So we're going to throw a few of those at you. Private message, though. <laughs> Don't say my name on the show, please. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence has heard every damn sex pun there is, haven't you, Lawrence? I'm, I'm always open to hearing more. I, I, I think there's... There's always something you haven't heard. There's got to be. Uh, not here. <laughs> not here. But, and not after this episode. I'm, right. I'm pretty sure that we're going to cover... Uh, th- this is the sand in between the rocks that is the Midlife Crisis show. We're actually going to fill up ab- absolutely everything. Every question I've got that anybody's m- ever had is going to be answered right here. I might even say this is the climax of the Midlife Crisis show, Ooh. Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> For our audience, this is me holding the bridge of my nose, closing my eyes and shaking back and forth slowly. <laughs> this is why it's only audio. Thank God for that. Well, we have to take some photos before we... <laughs> That's right. Uh, we've got to put them on the, on the Facebook. On the Facebook. The Facebook. The Facebook. Yes. So I want to dig further into this. This is uh, more fascinating than I thought it was going to be. Lawrence, I know that our listeners, and I'm going to blame them, would want to hear, and they're probably sitting there perched, listening to what we're talking about, waiting for uh, the occasional story or anecdote to come up so that they can listen to something that actually transpires at the club to capture their attention and their imagination. Can you give us a standout story? Uh, so a standout story that I had from, from the club was it's probably about a year ago and, you know, it was a winter's night, so it wasn't all that busy. However, the group that came in was a lovely bunch. There's probably about a dozen couples and one single lady in the mix. Now, she was a fire starter. She just got the party going. She was super social, loved how old was she? What did she look like? Okay, she... You want photos, Elliot? <laughs> <laughs> Funny, intelligent, beautiful, probably uh, mid-30s, I'd say. Okay. Uh, blonde lady, very comfortable with her body, and she had a fantastic body. So she was just straight into the G-string and heels, straight away, almost. Um, that's you, that's you, comfortable. You must hate your job, Lawrence. I hate it a lot. I just, <laughs> a I just, lot. <laughs> <laughs> and she was the social glue. She got everyone together, and it, it's it's really good sometimes for me when I don't have to be the one pulling everyone in. Uh, there's, there's one guest who just pretty much does my job for me, um, and everyone was drawn to her. And they were all sitting in the lounge room. So there's two parts of the club. There's a downstairs, which is a lounge room area, and then there's upstairs, which is a playroom. Now, normally we don't allow play in the downstairs area. However, this was a fairly small group and they were all into each other so we didn't see any problem with anyone doing anything anywhere we got to a point where they were obviously getting ready to to have some fun with each other and we're talking everyone so there was okay a dozen couples so 24 people and you've you've set the scene and built the anticipation uh and then next comes the explosion that's right and and i i nudged my (laughs) thanks elliot (laughs) i nudged my partner i said throw a hitachi wand in the middle of them and watch what happens so for those of you who don't know, Hitachi Wand is supposed to be a massager. It's kind of made famous in Sex and the City when um, Samantha bought this massager for her back, but everyone uses it as a right, a, a right, 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 a vaginal so, massager. Like it's a, you know, it's supposed to be for back muscles and so That's forth right. and lower back and whatever. But it turns out to be quite effective elsewhere. And it plugs into mains power, so it's serious business. <laughs> <laughs> does it have gears? <laughs> it does. It have a, has a fast and a slow. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we got the extension cord out. We got the the Hitachi wand out and literally plugged it in, gave it to this uh, lovely young lady in the middle and it was just the scene. It was her leaning back against the wall on one of our little ottomans, one guy on each leg holding her legs apart and open, one of the other ladies using Hitachi wand on her, her lady bits and I think there was another lady there making out with her and then it was just an explosion of screams, moans, and there's a lot of oh god. So it was a religious experience. It was <laughs> a lot of people on their knees. <laughs> God's a member of this club, yeah. and it just yeah, that's praying right. for redemption. <laughs> and it always stood out to me as this just this standout scene. I was like, because I just stood there from the sideline and watched pretty much like a creep. <laughs> <laughs> so you ha- actually had yourself thrown yeah, out. Yeah, that's that right. Night. I got no single guys, and I took myself to somewhere else <laughs> in, the, in the venue, and and that's what led this. I called it the locust effect. They went from one playroom to another all of them like using each resources as as it came and then they left at about two in the morning all just like bye everyone that was a question i've been wanting to ask you while i'm completely in awe of the scene that you've just set do you find that anybody gets to the end of one of these nights and walks away with feelings of like outwardly uh feeling shame or guilt 
for what's just taken place or regret more the point I no, not not to the point like they, they regret what they've actually done it's more oh no the cabbie's gonna see me like this I've <laughs> just got a trench coat on and the, the hair's a little bit messed up we provide hair dryers and a makeup mirror so people can you know redo that and what about for the women <laughs> so the walk of shame the is actually their biggest shame. concern yeah. it's not about what's going on yeah. at the club it's more about how they look walking home <laughs> that's right and, and for some usually, when they get home <laughs> usually just got a trench coat and heels on so it's like what have you been doing young lady yeah. here's another question for you and you know every time you answer a question it brings about another 10 questions out that's why I love having you here as a guest you've got this rule where the single ladies can come mm-hmm. to these nights without any partners do you find that any of the single ladies who come are doing this secretly while they're in relationships where their partners don't know about it? Yes. Sorry, I'm nodding. It's it's happened and they, they confide in us that it's happening. And a lot of them justify and say, I wanted to check it out. Like, he had the idea and I've come here on my own to see what it's all about and make sure it's not a, um, a sleaze fest. And so they are, they are pleasantly surprised but it do, does do they find that that they have to come twice a week for uh, 52 <laughs> weeks to, to check out the scene or before they're comfortable with it or do they come back with their partner once they're more comfortable with it we have we have on occasion seen them come back um and obviously it's a delicate issue for the staff because we've got to pretend we haven't seen them before <laughs> and we've got to do it on the fly and work it out say do they know do they know okay no oh hello nice to meet you <laughs> Yeah, if that was my business, I would just have a policy of saying, hi, nice to meet you to everybody, regardless yeah. of whether they've been members for 10 years or whatever. I do that sometimes, and then I get scolded like, yeah, we've met. Well, we've been here three times. I'm like, oh, sorry. You insensitive <laughs> bastard, don't you remember? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I yeah, don't. Exactly. So I just... Take the money and, <laughs> that's and, right. and watch how you earn it. I just uh, say, nice to see you. That's, that's, that's yeah, very And good. nice to see all of you. <laughs> Are there members that you wish you didn't see naked? Look, sensitive I, I, question. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad for business question, Elliot. <laughs> it's, not, it's not about the body or aesthetics. It's about sometimes their personality. And I just I have a problem with some people. As, as you will do. But now, just that's interesting. Do you, uh, do you have policies or laws or rules or guidelines or lines you will and won't cross with regard to who you let in on a character basis? Absolutely. We can tell if they're, like, if they're not in that mind frame or they're going to be bad for the general vibe of the club and that's we've asked people to leave or not come in. Or they're so drunk, of course. They're drunk, yeah, that they're stumbling around. It's, it doesn't look good and it just kills the vibe for everyone else. So obviously we're there to make the people we're there happy um, and it's not just a, it's not a quick dollar for us it, I just don't want people coming in ruining the experience for everyone else so I will make that call with your regulars how often do they attend this is the golden question we've sat down like I've sat down with my partner I've sat down with a friend and trying to work it out now we now estimate it at a regular couple who will come to the club they'll come once every six weeks so we factor in things like um, woman uh, woman's period uh, other social events like family, friends, looking after the kids. So we just judged it about six weeks they come. Now we have regulars that come more often. We're talking almost weekly. And then the summer who might even come on big events like a New Year's Eve party or Halloween, something like that. So the average is once every six weeks? Yep. Okay. So people buy a membership, but it doesn't matter how often they use it or do they... I mean, is there like an annual subscription where you can come as many times as you like? No, nope, we just... Uh, well, it's you, a pay-as-you-go thing. Once you pay your entry fee as a guest couple, as which is 200 we then offer you a membership. So in exchange for a working email, how we can keep in contact with you, it goes down to 150 So it's just a standing discounted rate. So you can, I mean, if you're only going to come two or three times a year, maybe, you, you, you wouldn't... The membership is, is just, it's included in the guest price. You can either take it or you don't. Um, but why wouldn't you? Because you just get discounted price right. every other so time. So there's no downside to uh, becoming a, a no. regular member. You, Some people just don't want to give an email. They, they rather stay completely uh-huh. anonymous. So Got we, it. Yet you still have 3,000 people who have. That's right. That's, so, you uh, know, we obviously we capture our market through um, the website. People who come to the venue, um, whenever they contact us, you can check the little box. You probably would have seen that when you contacted me, Elliot, about yes. do you want to become part of the database, yes or no? And that's how most of our... I can't remember what I chose, so but we'll see what comes in yeah, the mail. Don't worry, discretion is assured. <laughs> and that's an issue too, because people want to be discreet. I mean, I'm sure that there are couples who don't want their parents or their kids to find out, or they don't want their peers to find out, while there are probably other couples who are so enveloped in the lifestyle that they're all that their social circles are actually within the club and they see them there regularly and that's their regular social hangout. Is yeah. that, would it be fair to say that you've got a good mix of both? Yeah. So there's obviously the, yeah, the, the professionals who do not want anyone to find out. They 
they're, they're paranoid about people seeing them coming in, in and out of the club or people seeing them inside the club. And then there's the people who just, meh, this is, this is what we do. Um, and, you, and you're right, exactly right. Most of their friends and social circle are people in the lifestyle or in the club. Do you know the type of professions or the things that people do of, the, of those people who attend? It's anything. It's, it's doctors, nurses, accountants, dentists, whatever, um, teachers... So there's no there's no sort of lines. I mean, it, it crosses all boundaries. Yep, it goes through everyone. Total cross section. I think because sex is is innate in all of us, so everyone's curious. Well, one would hope so. Yeah, we're <laughs> being a sexual species, and that's how we reproduce. Well, but. after listening to this episode, a lot of people are going to be completely confused or going to your club. Yeah, they're, they're going to want to know more, that's right. uh, and I just can't seem to uh, uh, get the questions out fast enough. The, um, I noticed that you've got a lot of pictures of the premises on your website, but I mean, how, how does it work with your discretion when people can so easily take photos on, on mobile phones and so forth? I mean, do you bar that? Do you stop people having phones in their hands when they come through? It's a general understanding that you're not to have taking your phone out taking cameras. Now, obviously, some people have a need to have their phone on them. I mean, they've got a babysitter and they... Is an emergency. Obviously, we can't tell them no. You can't have your phone because they need to know. Or but you most, encourage them to bring their babysitter with them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we think that's a side business. Over. You have the building next door, like the the babysitting that's service. That's right. The crash. But the the crowd self regulates and polices themselves because as soon as someone takes their phone out and starts looking like they're taking a photo, they'll either jump on them straight away or they'll come to us or come to me as the staff. Going, someone's taking your photo, and then we'll go. We need to see your phone. You touchy subject because if you if you're worried about your your family, friends, or your professional life. Yeah. This is not necessarily... I'm sure that this is not necessarily something that people would want to be common knowledge. However, uh, I wonder if that goes to the point about our societal sort of uh, skewed views about our sexuality and whether, as the years roll on, people have become more and more uh, sort of comfortable with that sort of thing. As they're living their lives out on social media so honestly these days... Mm. Or, uh, you know, maybe that's another... Another episode we can talk about whether people who, who put their photos up on Facebook are all posed or whether they're cherry-picking and being selective about how they want to be represented in, oh, look, in the there's, public. There's expression, Facebook happy. It's like you've got these people and these couples and they look fabulous. Their lives are so happy and they're joyous and they have kids and everything's wonderful. And behind the scenes or in real life, their life is falling apart. They hate each other. The kids are dis- The whole family is dysfunctional. It's social media is such a vortex of misrepresentation. I think it's very, very dangerous, and people are, are misled by that. It goes to some of the body image issues that we were talking to Bettina about. How women think they have to look a certain way because that's what they see in the magazines and that's what they see the celebrities, and that's not reality. And they don't have to be that way. And I think social media feeds into that as well. Do you have a, a, a Facebook account? Do you have for the business? Do you have? Yeah, a, we have Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter for the account. Uh, for the, for the now, account. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are all very heavily uh, uh, reliant Visual. on photos and yeah. visuals. So, so it must be very difficult to produce content while at the same time remaining discreet. Well, if you if you log on to any of our Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, you see there's no faces. Uh, you probably see my face pop up a few times, but I'm I'm okay with that because obviously I'm I'm the owner of the business and it's it's my face to put out there. So we just put out just making sure the heads cut off or their faces are covered with some kind of pixelated or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Do people who participate come with their identities hidden? Do, do you yeah, find we'll get the fake names like we'll get. Oh, we're Jack and Jill or John and James. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what What about faces though? Do people wear masks and things? We have mask grade parties, but no, most people just have their face. Like it's it's too hard to wear a mask all night, and so people. Just... Has anyone recognised another couple there? It's just happened. by chance. Yeah, it's happened a couple of times. Like you know, they say. <gasps> That's my that's that's I work with them or that's my dad's friend or their parents <laughs> oh, no. their parents at, at at the school like at the school like kids go to and we just say to them look you're in the same space they can't out you because then they out themselves that's right. so it's, exactly it's unless just, they're already out yeah, unless right. <laughs> so then the club's big enough for you to avoid each other if you, if that needs be um, I had one friend a friend of mine who I knew in a past life and he came to the club and he said what are you doing here and I go this is my place and he's like. Oh my God! And so, and then he happened to run into another friend of his on the same night. So he was having a shocker. He said, oh, "This would never." <laughs> you seem to be available to assist your members and potential members with particular issues relating to the lifestyle. I think everybody that's in the swinging environment calls it the lifestyle, and there are reality TV shows about it that you can see on Foxtel now and so forth. Podcasts. Uh, podcasts. They, they just talk about the lifestyle, and everybody seems to know what that means. And it's even getting broken down further into just the LS. 
I heard that when I was in in America a few weeks back. The LS. The what? LS. What? Wow. Okay. Abbreviating it further. <laughs> it's going to end up being the L. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just the L. Which is an elevated train system if you live in any one of those American cities. Is a, a, an elevated train is called the L. This is me looking at Elliot blankly saying, huh? What are you talking about? (laughs) So if I was, and this is purely hypothetical, and this is because I want this to be relatable to all the people who are also equally as fascinated about this subject as I am. I've been in a relationship for a long time. I've got a partner. Uh, We may or may not have looked at the idea of inviting other people into our bedroom environment for a period of time but I'm not sure how to go about it I'm not sure how to go about uh, broaching the subject with my partner or potentially with other couples that we might have had an interest in and yet I can come to you and ask for advice Mm. about how to how to sort of set that environment up within my own constrictions um so yeah I, I get a few of these messages and calls or people just asking me when they hear about the club um about what to do so like you just said we've been in a relationship for x amount of years we've maybe got a couple of kids we just live the quiet normal suburban life but we've never done anything like this what do i do to either either the partner i'll say something like um well it's about opening up the conversation it has to be everything is based on communication in this lifestyle and that's first and foremost and that's the golden rule throughout anything that you do in the lifestyle so there should be no surprises no and definitely avoid surprises don't take your your partner there just as a a surprise here we are. Like, oh, that's not a good idea happy 25th wedding anniversary darling guess what we're gonna do have sex with a lot of different people we saw it we've seen it happen a couple of times and there's been a minor freak out uh, <laughs> and we say what did you do uh, no, the but- evening did not end well we actually had a couple last night at the club and he brought her and she didn't know what it was but they ended up having a good time they didn't do anything they just watched but that was a bit of an eye-opener for them they said next time when we're we're both on the same page about what we're doing for the evening we'll definitely be up for a bit more so that was that was positive to hear not recommended though no it's it went good that time it was like just Everybody do not do that. That's 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 throwing the dice big time. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I say to people, the best way to start it off is you get a sense for your partner. Like, you've been with them for a few years and, like, the you know if the, the idea of other people in, in the bedroom, so to speak, is, is okay or just even the, entertaining the fantasy. So I say entertain the fantasy. Maybe during sex or foreplay, just sort of do a bit of dirty talk about introducing someone else, whether they be male or female or whatever your fantasy is, and see how they respond. So if they're interested or that fantasy turns them on, then you just keep going with that. And maybe it might take a, a month or two or maybe even a year or so, and you finally get to a point where you're saying, do you want to try this for real? And that's where we find we get the couples coming to the club they say we've been talking about this for years so it's, ah. it's not just a so coming to the club could very well be midway through the process yes before you hear from them they may already be a long way down the road of getting to where they need to be comfortable that's right you know in, in terms of their comfort with this and that's 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 um one of the, the key things to take away from it. it's like where by the time they get to us yeah they've probably been talking about it for a long time and that's where we usually find people are anyway. So we have to just sort of encourage them along the way. Do you find that it helps some couples with their relationships? Definitely. I, I know of quite a few couples where obviously they're not, you know, in turmoil or, you know, on the verge of splitting up. But, you know, things are getting a little bit oh, boring. I'll just look after the kids and that. And all of a sudden, bam, they're in this lifestyle. And it's, all of a sudden they have all this new sexual attention. They're having fun. They're meeting new people. And then it just spices everything up. And I... I hate saying it spices up the relationship but it's it, it really does um it because it creates new energy new connections which is as human beings i think we're we're just programmed to want to do oh, i think you know I, I don't think it's much of a leap for uh, our audience to relate to that that's certainly you know that, that that's no surprise at all but i am interested in going back to the point about um people who may be on the verge mm. if a relationship has gone stale to the point where they're either not having sex with each other on a regular basis anymore because they're bored and they are starting to think about looking for other partners would you recommend this lifestyle as a way of maybe attracting that kind of excitement back to the relationship without the need for them to go outside the relationship without knowledge yep i think it would be a great alternative to cheating yes absolutely. If, if you could come to an agreement on it yeah definitely also it's you know non-monogamy but you know my partner knows 
uh, and it really enhances a lot of people's uh, sex between themselves because they'll, you know, maybe they've, they've, like I said, they've watched or they've been watched or they they interacted in some way with someone new, and then they'll go home and they go, that was that was crazy you said, and then they end up having really passionate sex. So between themselves, you know, I've experienced it a few times where you know, because I've been in long term relationships, and you just sort of, you go home at the end of the evening and it's like you're really turned on by what just happened. So. That's awesome. Do you participate in the evenings, or are you just sort of there as the proprietor? Uh, as the pr- when it's when it's operating, I, I steer clear of um, uh, interacting uh, sexually in that way uh, because it can lead to hurt feelings or just lines being blurred. Like I'm I'm there to run the show, not. So that's actually interesting. You look at it purely from a business perspective, and you manage the evenings for other couples to achieve whatever it is that they're looking for. Yep. But you're not in the lifestyle. I am in the lifestyle, but it's all obviously after hours, different days of the week. So, so you're in the lifestyle with your partner, yep. with other partners, yep. but you don't bring that to work with you. No. You've got different hats. That's when right. you're on premises, you wear this hat or that hat, and no. you don't. You never cross the line. That's right. That's a, that's actually interesting just mm. in itself. Yep. What fascinated me with this one person I know who enjoys the lifestyle is that she said it was great for her self-esteem, mm. and she was middle-aged, and. I just looked at it and said, "Really? That I, I it just be- beggars belief in my opinion that because she goes to these these cl- these clubs and she has sex or relations relations with a whole lot of different people, it's good for her self-esteem. Do you find that the conversations like that happen or Uh yeah, we hear a bit of that. Obviously, the, these are things that probably are said between probably not between me as the owner of the business, but more to people amongst the business but I do overhear it occasionally yeah and it's it's validation mm. so you're getting validation from new people that you haven't met that you know and particularly if you're middle-aged you might you think oh well I've you know passed the golden years and then all of a sudden people are still finding you sexy and, and wanting to and wanting to play with you so it's a well, well to that point do you have a type a type of couple type of people that are attracted to the lifestyle I've found over the years that there there is a certain demographic type, so to speak. So they they are usually middle aged, or you know they've been in a relationship for a while. So you know they could be in their early twenties, but they've been they've been together. So do you say they aren't middle aged? They are middle aged, right. okay. fairly well educated, above all right. Uh, so above the, average the, on income level, socioeconomic, the socioeconomic. Yeah, yep. they're above oh. average on all of those things, and so. So they can rationalise it easier. They've got the money to play with, so they can come to an event like ours. Um, it's an inexpensive uh, thing to 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 run events. Sorry. I mean, well, to attend. To attend. So f- to come on an, on a regular night, it's so if you're a guest, it's two hundred dollars for a couple, so a hundred dollars a head. So in itself, it's maybe not all that expensive when you factor in everything else that you're probably going to be doing for the evening. Yeah, you can get up there. So people will. That's be, not outrageous, you know. No. I mean, you you could spend that going to a restaurant and a movie and go out dancing. I mean, you know, chuck the cab fare in and a couple of drinks. Uh, you you've spent two fifty, three hundred bucks easy. Yep. So I mean, and we we obviously encourage people to come as early as possible, so you can have your full night there. Maybe except food, you're not gonna you're not gonna get much food at the at the venue. Um, say for some except for some nibblies, but. Yeah, <laughs> depends. Depends what Nib- you, depends <laughs> what, what you like to eat. What do you like to nibble on? <laughs> we cater to all tastes. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to move on to another question now, and and it's been it's always going to be difficult not to go into those dark areas that uh, sometimes and it, yeah nooks and crannies <laughs> that people might get a little bit embarrassed about. But I think we've got to cover off as much as we can. If one was to look at pornography, right, the kind of porn that you get online. Mm. It would seem that there's a lot of stuff that would appear to be socially acceptable that goes on with porn, which of course is all fake and staged, purely for the kind of audience that it's catering to, and not necessarily what really goes on in these sorts of events. There's a couple of questions that come out of that. The first thing is, do people watch porn and see these sorts of scenes being played out by professional actors, then get a skewed sense of the reality of what's supposed to go on and then bring that incorrect perception to the club and try and act on that as the first question. And the second question that comes out of that, which is part of that, a sort of a sub-question, is that in those sorts of situations you see quite a bit of bisexuality going on, uh, particularly with women and very occasionally with men. Mm. Do people also engage in that or do they bring those perceptions to that Environment, expecting that it's going to happen, and then get disappointed when it doesn't, or does it? <laughs> Obviously, so I think most of the, most of our patrons have seen porn, or they, and I think a lot of people growing up now, probably through the, 
you know, through the 90s and 2000s, they, they're influenced by porn because it's so readily available. Um, and then people do, I suppose, they live out those sort of dirty visions that they've seen, like, you know, um, two guys, one girl, that kind of stuff will just porno style sex. Well, that doesn't sound so extreme, especially by porn standards. So, you know, don't hold back if you've no, seen better. No, oh, I've seen, I've seen a lot more. That, well, let's just, hear it. Ah, uh, well... I've just seen a lot of filth in my time at the club. Uh, but people... Are, the, did you say at the club? At the club. What does that mean? You've seen a lot of filth. Just dirty sex going on. It's like, wow. Uninhibited man. sex. Yeah, just right. really just letting go. And, Fantasies and, being yeah. explored. And I suppose just sitting there watching it does almost look like pornography, but I suppose you, you, you're not seeing the... Um, yeah, the, the difference between pornography and I suppose real life is like they're, they're posing or they're angled in a certain way. You know, in, in a real situation, you're sort of like turning your head trying to get a look better <laughs> so look the, at what's the, going on the difference is the cinematography of that's lighting. right the <laughs> lighting do you have uh, or, or do couples bring sex aids uh some people bring toys but we have them there like you know we've got um vibrators and dildos um that people can use do you most. find that that's something that people tend to want to bring their own they want to bring their own usually um the vibrators and all that and obviously we we encourage everyone like you you've got to put a condom on it and all that so there's still safe sex applies to, sure. to the inanimate object um we also have things like the kinkier stuff, so whips, uh, rope, uh, floggers, canes, all the rest of it. Oh, so there's the whole, you know, bondage, and, you know, yeah, there's a, anything going on as well. There's definitely an undercurrent of that running through the lifestyle as well, and it's becoming a bit more between the kink community and the uh, swinging community is a bit more overlap nowadays. Do you still, um, and back to that other question, do, do, we, do we get a lot of crossing from straight into bi? Yes, that's very, very common. So between, uh, so women are, tend to be a, a lot more bisexual in the lifestyle or open open to it or playing with other women and as you you said exactly how it is there's a lot of bisexuality going on between the women and not as much through the men however i think that's that's starting to change a little bit it's becoming a bit more acceptable that guys can be bi well i think perceptions are that people are a lot more relaxed with male homosexuality and we've got a lot of that in the news we've we've got the issues of same-sex marriage yep. All of these things are out in forums being discussed, and so people are a little more comfortable about it. But I was, yep. I was curious to see whether they're acting on those things when given the appropriate environment of safety. Yep. And do you practice safe sex there as well? I mean, that's encouraged, obviously, hygiene, safe sex, all of that sort of thing. So we provide all condoms, dams, lubricants. So it's all readily available in every play space that you can go into. So we obviously we encourage it. Obviously, if you're, you're with your husband or wife or long-term partner, we're not going to say you have to put a condom on because that's their choice. Um, it's just, we just educate some people. Like, if, with it, like with any new partner, safe sex. With, uh, we're talking about couples. Is it, is it heterosexual couples? They're mostly heterosexual couples. Um, we, we do get the occasional lesbian couple that comes in, but like we said, there's no single guy, so we can't take the, the gay couple because we've had that trick tr- uh, pulled on us before. They go, we're gay, and then we turn out it's just two straight dudes just running around. So <laughs> we go, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to stamp that out too, yeah, which is unfortunate. It is, because it's not necessarily gender equal, is it? No, and it, it does, I wouldn't say upsets me, but it's like, I feel bad for like, because, you know, I have homosexual friends, and they like to come, and I'm like, I can't because... You, well, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, uh, straight not... single guys too who are not necessarily creepy that wind up being tarred with that brush, and you know they probably be t- totally okay. But uh, yes. but you can't have one rule and not apply it to everybody in the same category. Well, are, the, are there um, gay swingers clubs? Well, I th- yeah, I think yeah, they're yeah. called nightclubs. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're usually saunas. So there's a couple up on Oxford Street, and that's how I understand them to be. Like I wouldn't, I don't think they'd use the word swingers, but. It's, it's a set-up venue. You, you pay an entry fee, and then you can sort of have casual sex with random people. So I, I guess that's... But you don't... Con- as, as per our question at the, the beginning of the interview, you, where you said there's only two in Sydney, yep. you don't consider that a true swingers club? No. Well, they, they'd call it a gay sauna club, and that's right. how they want it. That's okay. how it's marketed, and we're marketed as a, a swingers club for predominantly the heterosexual market. Right, okay. Um, and do you make a good living out of this? Uh, it does okay. It pays. It obviously it pays for itself. And we're and from the Australian tax office. So <laughs> <laughs> Please come and have a look at our box. <laughs> so I mean, it runs like a, like any other enterprise, and the, the fact that you detach yourself emotionally from participating that must be in itself quite difficult. Very. I mean, that'd be like. Um, that'd well, that's be- actually a good point. If you see someone or some people who you think they're really hot I'd love to get involved but you have to have be at that arm's length because yep. you're the proprietor and yet they must invite you yes well you're a very attractive man Thank you. but you, you I mean there you go you you would get invited into play scenarios with with members and there would be absolutely nothing 
I would believe, ethically wrong with that if you were to get involved, but you draw the line for yourself, self-manage, which is, it must be a very difficult thing. Sometimes I hate my own rules. I'm like, um, look, obviously, they, so on the night I say, no, look, not, not while we're open. And then that's the key point there, not while we're open. So come back to me later when we're, when we're closed or on another day. Here's my number. We can, we can catch up another time, but not while it's running and not while there's other people there. I suppose it's easy to get distracted enough that you couldn't yeah. necessarily manage if there were other situations that needed your attention while yeah. you're busy and otherwise engaged. If there's a problem, no one takes you seriously with your pants around your <laughs> <laughs> Lesson for life, ladies and gentlemen. If there's a problem, make sure your pants are up. Yeah, pants on is always That's the right. way. So obviously, a lot of couples, particularly middle-aged couples out there, no doubt are going through marriage counselling, therapy of some sort. Do you find, have you heard, have they told you that some couples go there and they feel that this is part of their therapy to keep them fresh and together and excited? On occasion, yeah, we hear that people are saying this is, they, they come to us saying, like, if we didn't have this, this is probably, would it would break us if we didn't have this outlet. So they need that different kind of social interaction. So they don't want to be just with the kids and all the rest of it. So I guess it's maybe self-managed. I don't know if it's been directed to them by a therapist saying, oh, go to a swingers club, yeah. enjoy yourselves. Well, um, you never know. Yeah, you maybe. Um, we find, I, although I find a lot of the, the mental health community, they, they still put a stigma on this sort of thing. That, and I, it, Go figure. It well, I would me. think that, the, you know, I, understandably, they would probably consider that this is somewhat dangerous ground for some people to be considering as therapy unless it's been recommended by practitioners mm. who, who are amply qualified to be dealing with the emotional and yep. mental aspects. Uh, because th- you can really invite quite a lot of drama yep. into your life when you may already not be set up for it yep. and have enough drama already. Yep. Uh, so you've, you've not only got to be very open-minded, but you've got to be very responsible yes. when, you, when you try and bring this lifestyle into your lifestyle. I would think you need to have a pretty healthy connection with your partner for this to not be, become a central part of your lives. Yeah. Correspondingly, it could be, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's okay with both people. It is for some people; it's a big part of their lives, and like you said, it's it's being really open and, and being have a super strong connection. So we find a lot of people who've lasted a long time in this lifestyle, and there are many. They are the most upfront with each other, and they have the, probably the strongest relationship that I've seen because there's nothing there's nothing hidden. You know, if they fancy someone or something quite, like quite that. Quite literally. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I find that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the very last pun for this interview. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I know that there's a lot of male listeners who are going to be grossly disappointed at having heard everything that you've said on this show so far, knowing full well that there's no way they're going to get their partners to agree to going and that they're not allowed to go on their own. Mm. And they're going to be very depressed. What do we say to them? Sorry, guys. Tough, <laughs> tough luck. Ring up Lawrence and get some advice on how to turn your missus. Yeah, exactly. Good, good luck. Good luck. Next, next life. Just reevaluate. Are you really happy? Is this, if, if that's something that you really need in your life, then you might have to reevaluate your relationship. Maybe you're know. with the wrong partner. That's right. I would think that, and this is probably a fair statement. I would think that if you can't have sex without porn, you should probably be trying this. It's kind of like you know, if you're if you're already enjoying porn, stop looking at it and start being it. Yeah. Message for the day. Yeah. Okay. You can come to the club and just watch. That's right. As long as you're a couple. That's it. Elliot, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, looks disappointed. Oh, look, well, maybe we'll create a gangbang night so you can come <laughs> on. <laughs> okay. There are ladies out there who enjoy that. Do you get a lot of single ladies? It's definitely not the moneymaker for us, but they're, they're peppered throughout uh, each evening, so you might get one or two that come along. Last night we had our ladies' night, which so we had an excess of single ladies. Now, hang on. I've got to ask the question, right? This is going to be totally, totally, probably not well received by a lot of people, right? <laughs> I would think that if you're absolutely sexy, beautiful, single woman, you wouldn't need to go to a place like this to get any kind of sex that you wanted with a man. But, therefore, the other flip side of that coin would be that if you're paying to go to one of these events, chances are you're not as sexy as many of the others. Mm, Not true. A lot of the women last night were fantastically hot. So you'd be surprised that a lot of women are disappointed by the sex. So, you know, you go to any nightclub you want and pick up any guy. And I go, yeah, but they're shit. So Uh, that's interesting. And I I guess that that then follows through to the professional women. I mean, there are women who do not have time to cultivate relationships to get to the sex that they want because they're busy executives or they're running busy lifestyles. 
and, and this would be a great way of achieving pretty yeah. much the end game that they're looking for. Exactly. And without, the big th- without the stuff they couldn't be bothered with. That's right. Yeah, and the big thing about coming to our event like ours is the respect. So there's no touching or no you know, groping without any consent. It's always, everyone knows what they're there for and they know the game. So they know there's certain rules. They say, can I touch you? I find you hot, blah, blah, blah. As opposed to going out to a normal nightclub, you just get a bawdy dude who's drunk and he'll just grope will just be a creepo. Um, they come here, they, they know they're going to be safe. And like, you, like we've been going on about, it's a safe space. So they feel comfortable. They can be, they don't have to be slut shamed or they can feel sexy doing whatever they're doing and leave at the end of the night and go, that was a great night. Go home and go to bed and that's the end of it. So can you explain a ladies' night when you're, is it just a lesbian thing or is it you have guys there as well? So the lady, so our theme for the ladies' night is it's, we get a bunch of ladies together, they come in their lingerie, we have the, the topless waiters and it's just sort of a, it's like a bachelorette party without the bachelorette. So there's no guys. Well, there's the the stripper waiters. Stripper waiters, right? Only only professional guys that they can look at. They're not allowed to have sex with them. We we let them do whatever they want. They say if you want to have fun with the waiters, go for it. Right. So how do you get a job as a waiter? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You have to be 26 and cut. An eight pack is is required. (laughs) How about a keg? Does that count? (laughs) I was very intimidated by these boys last night. They were were ripped. You were intimidated by them. Man, Lawrence, get out! Really, uh, you're a disgrace. (laughs) Honestly, it was Chocolate City. It was just it was just they were just lovely to look at. Yeah, but it was all being smeared on everyone's (laughs) bodies, right? <laughs> they were very popular. So, uh, yeah. Okay. What is the most eye-opening body thing that you've ever seen happen at the club? Like, what is the the most? I can't believe I just saw that. My thing. God! Hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen. Lawrence, touching on your point earlier, where why would a, a such a an attractive woman be doing this in a club like this like you're going you, you'd see her down the street and she goes she can do whatever she wants she doesn't need to do this but there she is in the club and then there's some galump doing things to her yeah, there's <laughs> there's four guys going at her and then there's there's another one on her face another lady jesus this is this is happening and it's just like sometimes i'm standing there i'm like my mouth is on the floor and i have to just take a step back okay now i've got to work again and it's just so i guess what you're saying is this is the realm of fantasy yeah Pure and simple. You know, we could all get locked up for even discussing this in certain countries <laughs> around right. the world. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I think so, you've left Elliot and I speechless, which is a dangerous thing for a podcast. Yeah, we, no dead air. I, I think we have nowhere to go That's except right. questions without notice. Oh, my God. This I mean, is going to seem so tame compared to what we've just been talking about. And now. a lot of this won't apply to you because you, you're not even middle-aged demographic. Well, but, the uh, first question is what happened to you this week that reminded you that you're middle-aged, which you're not? So forget Forget that. that question. Okay. Plus or minus how many kilos to your ideal weight? Zero. Let's move on. Yes or no, do you use products to mask grey hair? No. Too, too young. I've got a couple of grey hairs and I'm proud of them. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, you, you've, you've coloured your hair so that they're grey for the older set, for the middle-aged people. How many teeth are missing or replaced? Only wisdom teeth are gone. Oh, man, you're a disgrace. That must have only happened last month or something. Okay, (laughs) Elliot, I'm not doing too well. You take over the last two questions. No, there's not much point. What physical activity do you do that you probably shouldn't? I think you've just... (laughs) Forget that question. That's the last 45 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. That's the whole episode there. (laughs) And what do you miss about the old days? You didn't see the old days. The old days were where you were at public school, preschool, for goodness oh, sake. Lawrence, no. really, why are you here? I've just realised that you're the youngest guest we've ever had on the oh, show. No, goodness uh, me. No, that's no, not that's true. No, we had Pokemon, the Pokemon, Pokemon kids. Go? We had teenagers for Pokemon, but we couldn't It was couldn't a slightly different type of uh, subjects we were talking about, slightly. Yes, they were out there in public catching. I hope these episodes aren't back yeah. to back, so it's Pokemon the list. <laughs> you might no, be blending some audiences. Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we've done well, and and I really do appreciate you having come in. Uh, If we do get, and I I know we probably will, if we do get an influx of questions and or comments or uh, an exchange with our listeners about your segment, I would like very much to be able to ask you to come back uh, and talk to us another time. In the meantime, of course, we want people to go and have a look for themselves and get their own answers at OurSecretSpot.com. Dot com dot au. Otherwise, just Google our secret spot, or do as I did and Google Sydney Swingers Clubs, and it's right there on the top. So, Swingers Club Sydney, Google, boom, our secret spot. Lawrence, this has been very enlightening. Very. I can't be more grateful. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
we are now saying goodbye because we've come to the end of our, our first double header. Uh, at last. Our first two-parter. That's right. And people had been asking for more than one. You've got two. Multiple episodes. Multiple episodes for one subject. Who would have thought? I was trying to throw puns in there and you're not noticing I'm any not, of them. I, well, because it's like my brain is fried. Two episodes, Elliot, in one hit. It's not like we haven't collected enough material to do two episodes before, but this time it really did spill over. Oh, God, enough. Really? I got that one and I'm just being polite and ignoring most of them. That one I got. Middle-aged sex, I don't think that there's any nook and cranny that we haven't probed. There's no... Okay, okay, Elliot. Crimes against punanity. (laughs) Don't come at me with those big words again. It's not a real word, but anyway. Punanity? Pun? Something about that. Somebody please go look it up and write into us. Uh, But write into us anyway. Tell us if, uh, if there's something that we're not covering and we'll do it for you, I promise. But we are going to cover something different next week. What are we doing? I know. How about why is everyone else on the road such a bad driver? Why is everyone else on the road such a bad driver? That's what we're going to explore in our next episode. Next episode, we're talking about everybody on the road who is not Pete. Why are they such bad drivers? Have you seen Elliot drive? Dreadful. He's the one in the Lamborghini with the pneumatic blonde next to him. I wish. I'll edit that out before the wife gets it. (laughs) She was at the Swingers Club. She was at my secret spot. (laughs) And she's also been to Lawrence's Club. So we're talking about other drivers. We're talking about... That's funny. We're talking about why are other drivers on the road so bad? There's a lot of fodder there. A lot of fodder. We want your participation. If you think you uh, have stories, if you have questions, if you have answers... If you have any authority at all. And if you are a better driver than everyone else on the road, we want to hear from you. No, we need to hear from you. I've got a feeling we're going to get a lot of emails just after that. That's right. Just that question. If you think you are the best driver on the road and everybody else is at fault, write into us immediately. Put the phone down. Don't text and don't email get while you're driving. Get your hand off it, ladies and gentlemen. And But if you don't, go to Lawrence's Club. Where it's okay to have your hand on it. Consensually speaking. We're out of here. It's about time.